theextraordinarychurch.ca podcast, where ordinary people experience extraordinary life in Jesus Christ. You are about to hear a message that will encourage you to become and experience all that Jesus Christ has for you. Are you ready? Open up your Bibles because something extraordinary is about to happen. And it made me think about last night. Last night I got the biggest kick out of it as I was studying and preparing for uh, today's message. I started laughing so much when I got the title of my sermon today. And the title of my sermon is, This One is Dedicated to the One I Love. This one is dedicated to the one I love. Now, you might be wondering why I'm laughing. Because uh, back in the day, uh, when I was like a teenager, preteen, uh, I loved, I just, I love music, but in particular, I love the slow jams. Colleen feeling me, she's like, yes, I love the slow jams. And so in Richmond, Virginia, we had something, that's where I'm from, uh, Power 92, boy, that was, <laughs> anyway, I can remember the DJ's names and all that stuff. But at like nine o'clock, maybe 10, uh, the DJ would come on and he would play The Quiet Storm. The Quiet Storm, man, it's just kind of a little intro, interlude with Smokey Robinson, and they play it, and then, you know, then they have all the slow jams, and this is back in the day when you would record music, uh, you would get, you would have to record on the radio, so you'd have your tape in there, and the moment you heard the song, because you were just waiting for the song to come out, you run, and you like, and you would tell everybody, like, don't say anything, please don't open the door, I've been waiting all week, this is my jam. You know, you would get so upset if somebody would come in and yell, and that would end up on the recording. But anyway, <laughs> neither here nor there. So I would, I would listen to these songs, and I would take these little love songs. I was a little hopeless, romantic, maybe helpless, who knows. Um, and I would take each song, and I'd be like, oh, I want to listen to, I get that one. That's nice. And then this, and then this song will go next to that one. And I just do all that stuff. And when I, I remember I was like in seventh or eighth grade, had the biggest crush on this girl, uh, Lakeisha Wyatt. Lakeisha Wyatt. A seventh grade is so funny. I'm laughing because, anyway, that's, I won't tell that story. Um, so you wanted to dedicate a song. You would try to call through the radio. If you, if you love somebody, you were crazy about them, you were like, man, I just need to get through the radio station during this time and give a little shout out, a little dedication to my girl, to, you know, uh, and so you would call and man, the line would be busy, busy. I mean, like fast busy. It was just like, how can the line, I didn't even, it's not even ringing. It was just beep, 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 just busy. And when you finally get through, you'd be like, oh man, this is it. They answer and you're like, they're like, hey, uh, you know, what's the song you want to hear and who do you want to dedicate it to? And you're like, oh, man, you had everything all scripted and ready to go. And you're like, your voice would change, too, because everybody would hear you. So I'm like 12 or 13, but I'm like, yeah, this is a kill, and this goes out to Lakeisha. You would, you would do that stuff, and it'd be like, man, you would tell your girl, well, they'd be like, oh, you're on the radio. He's giving you a shout-out. And it's all, I mean, it would be a big deal. You know, you'd be at school. They'd be like, y'all hear the radio last night? Y'all listen to the quiet storm? Anyway, if my brother and sister are watching, they are probably rolling right now because they know I'm telling the absolute truth. But let me transition. And this is, I, 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 titled that for, I titled this sermon that for a reason. The one, this one is dedicated to the one I love. The question is this. 
Does God, who he is and who is completely self-sufficient, completely self-existent and self-sustaining, have a passion, to have a desire? And if he does, then what is that passion? What is that one thing that God wants? And I believe the scripture will reveal to us today here in just a few moments exactly what that is. As a matter of fact, you might recall Jesus said, hey, it really, if you want to boil it down, I'm paraphrasing, but if you want to boil it down or distill it into two things, let's do it into two things. One, love God and then love people. He said everything really hangs on those two commandments, if you will. And so that's so we don't get anything confused. And I want to be very clear with you today. I want to share a few points with you that I hope will bless you. But the first thing I want to encourage you to understand is that God made you and I from him. See, when God wanted something in the beginning, he was creating and making things. When God wanted something, he spoke, follow me now, to what he wanted. Whatever it was, he was creating to be made out of or made from. When God wanted something, if he wanted plants and trees or animals, he spoke to what he wanted. He spoke to the plant or the animal or whatever it was to come forth. To take this just a bit further, he also would go on, let me just tell you, he would, uh, he, when he would speak to things and they would come out of something, they would not only come out of that, but they would be sustained by it and then return to it. I'm going to explain, okay? Because sometimes we get this confused. So theologically uh, speaking, theology, the study of God. Uh, theologically, when you create something, you form something out of nothing. Theologically, when you make something, you form something out of something else. I want to say that again. When you create something, you form something out of nothing. When you make something, you form something out of something else. Now, this might disappoint many of us here today, but you actually don't create anything. You make things. But we don't create anything. Some of us have creative tendencies and abilities because we were made by a creative God and we're made in the likeness of his image. But the reality of it is you nor I can create anything. I'll give you an example. Let's say I used this example earlier uh, today at the one o'clock. If Mia, uh, if she is, uh, she's into glasses and she's not, I'm just saying that she is. And I come over and she's like, oh, you know what? Uh, um, look at this, look at this glass I created. Uh, it's so nice. Look at this night. Look at this stem and the base and it's so smooth to drink from. Well, the reality of it is she didn't create that. She made that. She took sand and calcium nitrate and liquefied it and shaped it and made the glass. She didn't create it. She made it from something else. Does that make sense? If she created it, she would have said, let there be glass. But she didn't do that. She took the calcium nitrate and the sand and she did whatever else she needed to do to refine the process and she made the, uh, the glass. And so what we have to understand is this, and this is really, really important principle here, is that when God said, let there be light, there was light. But you need to understand God created some things and then he made some things. This is really important for you to, to get. So he created some things, but he also made some things. Now, when God made things, he spoke to what he wanted, whatever he was making to come from. Making, he was making it to come from, to be sustained by that, 
and that would return to it. So he would make it, it would be sustained by that substance, and then it would return to that substance. Let me just give you an example. Genesis 1, 11, which is the impetus of our message today. Then God said, let the earth bring forth grass, the herb that yields seed, and the fruit tree that yields fruit according to its kind, whose seed is in itself on the earth, and it was so. So in other words, what the Lord said is, earth, bring forth. Let me tell you another way. You know, it's just kind of like when he said, light, let there be light. He was saying, light, come forth. In the scripture, God is saying, earth, bring forth the seed, bring forth the grass, bring forth all the plants and the trees. The reason is God did not say, let there be trees is because he told the earth to bring forth the trees. Why? Because he wanted the trees to come from the dirt, to be sustained by the dirt, and return to the dirt. So it comes from something, it's sustained by something, and it returns to that something. Comes from something, sustained by something, returns to that something. It comes from something, sustained by that something, it returns to that something. Comes from something, it's sustained by that something, and it returns to that something. The reason why I'm repeating that is because it's really important that you get it. Comes from something, sustained by something, and will return by something. Genesis 1.20. Then God said, let the waters abound with an abundance of living creatures. God said, let the waters abound with all these living creatures. So just showing you this, that fish are sustained by water. Is that making sense? Okay, all righty. Let, um, let me give it to you this way. So, because I, I, I want you to get this. Um, I'm just looking here. <laughs> this plant. Okay, let me back up for a moment. So, God would speak to things. This is fascinating too. So, he said, earth, bring forth. Waters, bring forth. When it came to mankind, what did he do? Spoke to himself. <laughs> said, let's make man. <laughs> okay. Come from something, sustained by that something, return to that something. So let's just say, uh, this plant. Just imagine we've got in Florida, in our home in Florida, we have, uh, we have an amazing yard. I say we have because we still own our home. We lease it out by the grace of God. And we're, we're pretty proud of that yard. It's really a God thing. But that's neither here nor there. Let's just act like this is my Florida home for a moment. And you just driving by and you're like, ooh, that yard. The, the, the yard is so nice. Even Sarah's admiring it. Praise God. And I know these are faux plants right now that you probably can't see online. Let me just help you. Praise the Lord. Sarah said they can see. Praise God. All right. So they're in the soil. Imagine these plants just, hey, hey, dirt, I'm pulling out. I'm out. I'm good. I'm good. What would happen? This is not like a rhetorical question, and this isn't rocket science. If the plants pulled out of the dirt and like, I'm good. What would happen to the plants? Okay, they die. Okay, all right. If we took a fish out of water, what would happen to the fish? That's exactly what man did to God. We pulled out. 
we pulled out. We had it. And you know what? You know what? You know what humanity told him? I'm good. I'm good. I'm, 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 I'm going to do this on my own. I'm going to do And what happened, the moment that happened, man died. Now, you may say, well, man didn't die. No, not, not, not the flesh. Because, see, our flesh is dirt made from, sustained by, and will return to the dirt. We were made by, sustained by, and will return to the dirt. But our spirit, our spirit made by, sustained by, and will return to. And when we sinned, we cut, cut off. It separated us from God. Or naturally, we were still living, but sin had separated us from the presence of God. This is why when man pulled out, we were dead. I'm going to show you Ephesians 2, 11. Ephesians 2 and 11. Look at this. Therefore, remember, no, is it? No, 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 no. I think that might be 2, 1. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, it's 2, 11. Okay. And he who made, and you, uh, and you he made a lot, who were dead in trespasses and sins. This is it. I want you to see this. Now look at verse, uh, look at John 10, 10. The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. But I have come that they may have life. Why was Jesus bringing life? Because we were dead in our trespasses. Praise God. We weren't even alive until Jesus redeemed us. We were dead, and so we needed to be bought with a price. He laid down his life for you and I so that we could be redeemed. Somebody ought to give God praise for that because we're only alive in him. And not only did he come to give us life, but to give us life more abundantly. Praise God. Praise God. So this, this is so important. This is why you have people today, If you, I've never seen this in my own experience, but I've seen it in TV shows. and uh, It's got to be real if you see it on a TV show. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just being a little facetious. That you shouldn't believe everything you read on the internet or watch on TV. Even the news. Don't mean to burst you. But I'll tell you what you can believe. <laughs> I tell you what you can take to the bank. Anyway, let me stop. So, uh, oh, I lost my train of thought talking about what you can believe. Praise God. Um, yeah, so what I saw, that's probably why I needed to forget it anyway, because it's like, what's relevant? You ever seen that, though, when somebody's brain did? They take that flashlight, and they open up their eyes, and their eyes don't move. They don't respond. So they're saying their brain did. And, but you know what? When they, when they respond and their eyes move, they're like, oh, there's life there. This is really like us. You know what? Many of us, before we were baptized in the name of Jesus Christ and filled with his spirit, we were dead spiritually. This is why he told Nicodemus, Jesus said, you must be born again. Because you are dead right now in your trespasses. But you must be born again. You must be buried into Christ and raised up in the newness of life. Second point I want to make is God made you and I like him in his image, in his likeness. Okay? So, uh, I want you to think about this for a moment. Uh, when Adam was in the garden uh, before the fall of humanity, he had no impure desires. Does that make sense? 
and I want to explain to you uh, something here. So uh, as they're having this conversation and Adam is loving it, he's like, man, I'm just chilling with God in the cool of the day. This is amazing. Um, and I love everything about this. It's perfect. But then he was like, I can't really explain it, Lord, but there's something, something. I've got this desire for something. I, I, I want something more, is what Adam was saying. And the Lord was like, okay, let's, I want you to do this. Just look at all the animals and name the animals. And uh, he did that. If you read it, he fell asleep after he did it. He fell into a deep sleep, praise God. It must have been exhausting work. No, the Lord put him into a deep sleep. And then the Lord takes a rib from him, and then we have one. And he wakes up, and he's like, Like, <laughs> praise God. He's super excited about what is happening because he sees woman. Woman from man. That's what that means. And if, if woman is from man, man is from God, ultimately from God, we understand this. But where did Adam get this passion? Where did Adam get this longing? I'm telling you that Adam got this longing from the Lord Jesus Christ because he was made in his image. He had a desire, hear me, for a bride. Had a desire for a bride. Adam had this desire for a bride. He got it from a God who desires a bride, somebody that would willingly choose him, somebody that would say, I love you with all that I have. I need you with all that I have. I want you with all that I have. He's interested in a love relationship. This is what God wants with his people. God is not interested in something loveless. Nobody, you know, nobody walks around like, imagine if I was here. I can tell you right now, I've done a, in the 20 plus years of pastoral ministry. I've done a lot of premarital counseling, marital counseling. The moment people are no longer physically and verbally affectionate, you are going down a slippery slope. You're going down a slippery slope, and you become disengaged, and you become an island unto yourself. I can remember, you know what? Imagine if I was looking at Sarah, because God is not interested in forcing anything, right? Imagine if Sarah was like, do you love me? And I was like, yes, I love you. I'm just talking like a robot. Like if I'm just like, you look very nice today. That, that would not appeal to her at all. She's, I mean, you know, and, and a lot of times that's what... God is not interested in some robotic forced response. We need to understand that love is a choice. Love is a choice, and we have to choose to love God with everything that we have. And when you choose to, now imagine if I were to say to Sarah, I'm not being a robot. I'm like, you look very nice today. No, but instead I'm like, man, I love what you've done with your hair today. And I love the, you know, we were just talking about it not too long ago. I was thinking to myself, look at how far we've come. In the 23 plus years we've been together. Look at what God has done. Look at where he's taken us. Look at how he's kept us. I wouldn't want to do life with anybody else but you. Now, look, some, now that, that sounds nice. Now, imagine, imagine. Here's what we do sometimes. Lord, I praise you. You're worthy of my praise. But what we need to stop doing is, see, this is where we confuse worship. See, worship is worth. 
And if you put worth on something, then you'll give it your all. If, you, if you're like, you know what? And when we allow the totality of our existence to become worship, we won't go through the motions and be like, God, I love you. You are worthy of my praise. No, 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 no. We'll be like, God, you are so worthy of everything that I have and then some. I'm here to magnify you and to glorify you. I'm here to give you praise. I'm here to stand to my feet and lift my hands and magnify your holy name. I would not be here if it were not for you. You have kept me. You have sustained me. You have provided for me. You are a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. You are my magnificent obsession. You are my everything. See, what happened is this. What happened for me personally, I was at home, and you know what? I'm praying, and I'm doing my devotion, which I do almost every day, and I'm talking to God, and I realized that just one moment I was going through the motions. I realized, Tito, you know what? I thought to myself, I'm going through the motions, and I don't feel the presence of God, and the Lord told me. He said, stop going through the motions and pursue my presence. And as I begin to think about presence and presence, and I was thinking about the presence of the Lord and how I get into the presence of the Lord. I begin to humble myself and I begin to get down on my knees and I begin to give God authentic praise from the bottom of my basement in my spirit. And I begin to magnify him and I begin to lift him up and I begin to dance before the Lord. I went back. I, I grew up. I didn't grow up in church, but one of my favorite worship artists back in the day, in the uh, mid-90s, late 90s, Ron Cannoli. Man, I love me some Ron Cannoli. And I went and I found that stuff on YouTube, and I started playing it on YouTube, and I let him just lead me in. And I was just singing. I was just singing like the praise team leads us. He was singing, and the choir was singing. And I was just singing with him, lifting my hands, and I'm jumping up and down, and I'm dancing. And I can remember, I'm starting to cry because I feel the presence of the Lord. And Lincoln came in. He was like... He didn't know I was worshiping and stuff. And he was like, mm, dang, dad, you're going in, ain't you? I was like, man, I'm going in. You know what? I'm going in because I want to be a lover of his presence. I want to know him with everything that I have. I'm here to pursue Jesus Christ with all that I have. I love him. And the reason why I lift my hands and say, thank you, Jesus, because it's dedicated to the one that I love. The reason why I stand and give him praise is because it's dedicated to the one I love. The reason why I sing a song is because it's dedicated to the one I love. The one who pulled me out of my pit. The one who pulled me out of my depression. The one who's kept us together for 23 years. The one who's provided for me. The one who's given me two blessings in my kids. The one who has rebuilt me, the one who loves me and laid down his life for me is worthy of my praise and it's dedicated to him, the one that I love. Oh, if you love him, give him praise this afternoon. If you love him, magnify him. Hallelujah. See, when you talk about a companion, which is what the Lord is talking about here, he said, you know what? He said, you want someone to choose to love you, not to have to love you. But here's the thing, point number three, God made me to love him. He made me to love him. Now it's my choice, but God made me to love him. And so we're talking about this one is dedicated to the one I love. I'm telling you the best way that you can let God know you love him is through a lifestyle of worship. Praise God. When you allow the totality of your existence to be worship unto the Lord. See, maybe you've never connected the dots this way, but worship is expressing just that. When you praise him, you're expressing your love to him. 
When you worship him, you're expressing your love to him. I'm telling you, there's no better way to let God know you love him by worshiping him. And I'm not just talking about in song. I'm talking about the totality of your existence being worshiped unto the one who created you and I. Maybe you've never seen praise and worship that way, but that's exactly what it is. And what you have to understand about God is anytime you give him something, you can expect to receive it back. Praise God. That's just how he works. He is a giver. If you say, God, I love you, guess what? He'll return and say, I love you back. Praise God. He'll tell you. You know what? If you tell him there's no one else I'd rather be with, <laughs> you know what he'll say? There's no one else I'd rather be with. So much so that I robed myself in flesh and died for you so that we could be together, so that you could live. What am I trying to get to you or put in your spirit? God's greatest desire is you and I. That's his desire that you and I would choose to love him. And here's what I want you to know. You all know I'm a big proponent of when you look at scripture, you'll see themes. And when you see uh, repeated themes, uh, it it just leaps off the page where we can't miss this stuff. I want you to see this right here. I'm going to share with you several verses just to let you know how much he loves us. Exodus 6 and 7, how much he wants to be with us. Exodus 6 and 7, I will take you as my people and I will be your God. Leviticus 26 and 12, I will walk among you and be your God and you shall be my people. Jeremiah 7, 23, but this is what I commanded them saying, obey my voice and I will be your God and you shall be my people and walk in all the ways that I have commanded you that it may be well with you. Which I commanded, look at Jeremiah which I commanded your fathers in the day I brought them out of the land of Egypt from the iron furnace, saying, Obey my voice and do according to all that I command you. So shall you be my people and I will be your God. Jeremiah 24 and 7. Then I will give them a heart to know me, that I am the Lord, and they shall be my people and I will be their God. For they shall return to me with their whole heart. Jeremiah 30, 22. You shall be my people and I will be your God. Jeremiah 31, 33, but this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Ezekiel eleven twenty, that they may walk in my statutes and keep my judgments and do them, and they shall be my people, and I will be their God. Ezekiel 14 and 11, that the house of Israel may no longer stray from me, nor be profaned anymore with all their transgressions, but that they may be my people and I may be their God, says the Lord God. Ezekiel 36, 28, then you shall dwell in the land that I gave to your fathers. You shall be my people and I will be your God. Ezekiel 37, 23, they shall not defy themselves anymore with their idols, nor with their detestable things, nor with any of their transgressions, but I will deliver them from all their dwelling places in which they have sinned and will cleanse them. Then they shall be my people and I will be their God. Are you getting it? He wants a people who love him, who desire to be with him. He wants to be our God. Ezekiel 37, 27, my tabernacle shall also be with them. Indeed, I will be their God and they shall be my people. 
Hosea 2.23, Then I will sow her for myself in the earth, and I will have mercy on her who have not obtained mercy. Then I will say to those who are not my people, You are my people, and they shall say, You are my God. Zechariah 8 and 8, I will bring them back and they shall dwell in the midst of Jerusalem. They shall be my people and I will be their God in truth and in righteousness. Zechariah 13, 9, I will bring the one third through the fire, will refine them as silver is refined and test them as gold is tested. They will call on my name and I will answer them. I will say, this is my people and each one will say, the Lord is my God. Praise God. Look at this, 2 Corinthians 1 and 6. And what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk among them. I will be their God and they shall be my people. Hebrews 8 and 10. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, says the Lord, I will put my laws in their mind and write them on their hearts. And I will be their God and they shall be my people. Praise God. Clap your hands unto him. Revelation 21. Verse 1, it says, Now I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. Also, there was no more sea. Then I, saw, then I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men. And he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. You and I are his greatest desire. He is madly in love with you. He loves you, and what God wants is a thriving relationship with you. And I'm here to let you know that you can have that in him, and it starts with your ability to express your love to him, saying, God, you're worth everything to me and then some. Praise God. Praise God. Why don't we stand as I close? One of the reasons why I think humanity and maybe us as followers of Jesus Christ specifically have a tough time worshiping God with reckless abandon uh, pride is an obvious one. But it's fascinating how pride goes out the door when you love someone. You know, my buddy Luwami, he was with us, and it's funny. He was talking about that song. He <laughs> I laughed because he talked about, he was talking about the great psalmist. He said, he said I knew, I, I knew, I said, he is not talking about Christian writer he said I'm thinking about that great psalmist Michael Bolton he said when a man loves a woman and it's true the song says when a man loves a woman turn his back on his best friend say something about my girl done I can remember pride I go broke 
go broke just to hear a voice. See, now we have unlimited everything, praise God. But back then, we had something called the dime line. Boy, 10 cents a minute. When I found out that dime, I was like, yo, we could talk as long as we want. I can afford this. <laughs> Me and my little part-time job. But you know what? Pride was out the window. I know pride can get in the way, but when you love someone, you humble yourself. You let them know how much you love them, how much they mean to you. And you know what? You know another reason why we don't worship God with reckless abandon? I was in my room. I'm not going to front him. And I was just singing to God, and I was dancing. I was going in. I was going in. And I typically do, I typically do no matter what because I just I love the Lord. But I was just jumping and dancing, and I was doing stuff. And I told Sarah, I said, you know what? I told her, I said, I'm going I'm to I'm start doing more dancing for the Lord. I did, I did. I told her, I said, you know what? And I said, I don't care what anybody thinks. They can call it what they want to call it. I said, I plan on doing a whole lot of dancing when I get to heaven anyway. So I'm going to just, I'm going to be, I'm like, Jesus, boom. I was just dancing. I was dancing. I was bowing. I was worshiping. And you know why? Because I love the Lord Jesus Christ. But I think another reason we get tripped up is because we listen to the lies of Satan. And we think we have no value. But if you could only realize how much he loves you and I today, we would worship him with reckless abandon. We would live fully aware of how much he loves us and have the manifest presence of God in our lives. Let me show you something, and I'll close on this note. The Bible says that he inhabits the praises of his people. Okay? If you read it, it says Israel, but Israel is his people. So we know he inhabits the praises. In other words, God is omnipresent. He is everywhere. The psalmist said, if I make my bed in hell, you are there. If I ascend like a dove, there you. He said, no matter where I go, you are there. I'm not talking about the omnipresence of God. I'm talking about the manifested presence of Jesus Christ. He inhabits the praises of his people. And when we praise him, his manifested presence will show up. Let me show you. Just one example. I use this in a message I preached called A Lover of His Presence. Unfortunately, it didn't make the podcast uh, maybe about a year or so ago. But let's just say there's a billionaire in this house right now. A billion. Many of y'all are like, oh, praise God. That billionaire's presence is here. But the moment he or she gets up, and begins to walk around and give each of us one million dollars, they just manifested their presence. When you begin to praise God, he's already here. But when you begin to praise him and you begin to lift your hands and say, God, this, this sacrifice of praise is dedicated to the one that I love. Thanks for listening to our podcast. Join us next week for another message of hope and life in Jesus. If you like what you just heard, we hope you'll pass along our web address to all of your friends, extraordinarychurch.ca. We are a young church plant with a lot of people living an extraordinary life in Jesus. If you're looking for a way to become better connected to what God is doing, email us, info at extraordinarychurch.ca. We'd love to hear from you.